After the recent school shooting at the Christian school in Nashville, once again, there's an uproar from the political left and the mainstream media about the need for more quote-unquote gun control. But are guns really the problem? That's what I want to dive into for this episode of the Grizz Podcast. I know it's a heated topic. I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I know that I may lose some of you as listeners, but I encourage you to hear me out to the end of the podcast. I'm going to try my best to speak the truth and speak it in the right way. So here we go. Yo, yo. Thank you so much for taking time to tune in and listen to The Grizz. Today is Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. And as usual, coming at you from the beautiful low country of South Carolina, I'm here in The Grizz Cave with a hot cup of coffee. I just finished a chocolate cake pop, and it was good. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm Jason George. I am an imperfect but developing follower of the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm also a husband to the same woman for 27 years, father of three, friend to many. I'm also the founder and president of Narratrail Ministries, where I serve as an itinerant speaker, podcaster, men's coach, and recovery group leader for guys who struggle with porn and other sexual sins. So that's a bit about me. If you're new, you can learn more at narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, if you want to. Anyway, let's get ready to rip into the meat of this week's episode. As I'm sure all of you know, recently, on March 27th, a 28-year-old female who identified as a male, I won't name her actual name, walked into a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee, and she killed three adults and three children. We know that this particular Christian school was targeted intentionally because it was the school where she, the shooter, once attended. This was, in fact, a hate crime. This was, in fact, an act of terror. Investigators discovered that she plotted the attack against the Christian school for months. It was premeditated. And on March 27th, she fired a total of 152 rounds inside that Christian school. The majority came from an automatic long rifle, and the rest from a handgun. Investigators also discovered that the shooter was under medical care for some sort of emotional disorder. It's all very sad and tragic. I wish it never happened. 
then this past Friday, where I live here in South Carolina, there was a shooting at the beach by some teenagers who were there for senior skip day. Six people were injured. Thankfully, no one was killed. And then yesterday in Louisville, there was a shooting in a bank that left five people dead and others injured. It's all very sad. It's all very tragic. Again, I wish none of this ever happened. My heart goes out to the victims and the families of the victims. But as I said, here's what happens. The political left and the mainstream media, who most of the time just acts like an extension of the Democratic Party, They get in an uproar about the need for more, quote-unquote, gun control. But the main question I want to try to answer in the right way is this. Are guns really the problem? Are guns really the problem? I don't believe they are. I believe that The evil people behind the guns are the real problem. I believe that the criminals behind the guns are the real problem. Listen, here's reality. And a lot of people don't want to face this reality. No matter what gun laws you try to put in place, just know evil people, criminals, do not obey laws They don't care about your gun laws. They ignore them and they find a way around them. Listen to me. Here's reality. Multiple gun laws were broken by the Nashville shooter. Those gun laws that were in place in Nashville did nothing to save innocent lives. Nothing. Also, This push for more, quote-unquote, gun control, it is ultimately a push that will remove the rights and power of law-abiding U.S. citizens like myself to be able to protect and defend ourselves and our loved ones from criminals and also from the threat of a tyrannical government. That's all you're going to see more, quote-unquote, gun control laws do remove the rights and power of law-abiding U.S. citizens to be able to protect and defend ourselves and our loved ones from criminals and also from the threat of a tyrannical government. Weapons in the hands, listen to me, of law-abiding American citizens defends against that. That's why we have the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment states a well-armed militia being necessary for the preservation of a free state, the people have a right to keep and bear arms, and that right shall not be infringed. Thomas Jefferson said, the strongest reason for the people to retain the right to keep and bear arms is, as a last resort, to protect themselves against tyranny in government. The founders knew all too well the very real threat of a tyrannical government. Man, they fought a war against one 
in order to found this great nation. When those on the political left and in the mainstream media, when they try to make their case for more gun control, one of the things they do, and I learned this from Ben Shapiro over at the Daily Wire, is they only quote gun crime statistics rather than general crime statistics. They'll say things like, you know, how nations like Great Britain basically have no gun deaths. And um, that's true in many countries that have fewer guns and stricter gun laws. So, of course, there are fewer gun deaths. However, listen to me. Did you know that Great Britain has a higher violent crime rate than the U.S.? Which makes me question, what if the law-abiding citizens of Great Britain had guns to protect themselves? Would guns in the hands of those law-abiding citizens of Great Britain deter the violent crimes? That's higher than the U.S. I believe they most certainly would. You know why? Because criminals act completely different when they know law-abiding citizens are armed. I'll talk more about that fact in a little bit and give you some research that was done into that. According to PolitiFact, the rate of violent crime in England and Wales, according to a study in 2013, was double the rate of the U.S. England and Wales, their rate was 775 per 100,000 people. As of 2013 in the U.S., it was 383 per 100,000. So, yes, they have far less gun deaths with less with because they have less guns and stricter gun laws, but they also have far greater violent crimes than the U.S. Also, I want to address this whole idea of more guns automatically equals more crime. You'll hear people say that more guns equals more crime. You got more guns, there's going to be more crime. That doesn't actually pan out with the statistical facts. Over the last few decades, don't look at the last few years alone. Look at the last few decades. As U.S. rates of gun ownership have increased, did you know that the rate of violent homicides have actually decreased? That's right. Another thing that I found out from my research is uh, that the political left and the mainstream media Uh, what they try to do to make their case for more quote-unquote gun control is they compare non-comparable population groups. Here's what I mean. They'll compare like a middle-class population in European countries who are basically the same kind of people, no real diversity of age or culture, and they'll say that they have lower gun violence rates than the United States. However, as Charles Cook points out, Over at the National Review, he brings up a state like Vermont, who had only eight murders in 2012, and only two of those murders involved firearms. Now, you might think that because, um, you might think the reason for that is because, well, Vermont must not have any guns. They must have, like, super strict gun laws. 
I mean, there's only eight murders and only two of them were by firearms. But on the contrary, three quarters of the population of Vermont own guns. And there are basically no gun laws there. So when the political left and mainstream media suggest that a population with more guns and little to no gun laws will inevitably lead to more gun violence and death, this is not the truth. Just look at Vermont. They have the lowest incarceration and murder rates in the United States. Charles Cook, as I mentioned over at the National Review, points out the following from this research. Number one, an abundance of firearms and a set of loose regulations do not inevitably lead to more crime. Number two, the widespread suggestion that they do is dishonest. Let me grab a sip of my coffee right quick. There was also... Um, a Washington Post article. That's right, the Washington Post. It was back in 2017. The title of the article is this. I used to think gun control was the answer. My research told me otherwise. That's the title of the article in the Washington Post. I'm not kidding. It's crazy. I used to think gun control was the answer. My research told me otherwise. It's by... Leah Labresco, who was a former gun control advocate. The article reveals some astonishing information. Basically, her team worked for like three months studying all the data regarding the approximate 33,000 lives ended by gun violence each year in the U.S. And Labresco showed that through her research, neither Great Britain nor Australia experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun-related crime that could be attributed to their gun buybacks and bans in those countries. This article didn't get too much attention on mainstream media, this research that was done. Then there's uh, Joe Biden's constant talk of quote-unquote, common-sense gun laws. Or he'll bring up the need for an, uh, quote-unquote, assault weapons ban. I need to address this. He says that with his plan, back when he was vice president, the number of mass shootings went down during that 10-year time period. However, ProPublica found in 2014 that the 1994 assault weapons ban that he's constantly referring to and bragging about, they found out that it didn't really affect gun crime in any meaningful way. Ben Shapiro over at the Daily Wire brings this up and he noted that nearly all researchers agreed with that assessment of the 1994 assault weapons ban that ProPublica brings up that it didn't affect gun crime in any meaningful way. You'll also hear from the anti-gun crowd that only the police should have guns. Only the police and the military should have guns. I just had someone recently say this to me. We were in a conversation. But the truth is that guns in the hands of 
law-abiding citizens protect innocent lives before the police have time to respond. Think about it. When a criminal pulls a gun to do harm, sure, you can go call 911 and wait for the police to respond. But that can take what? 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes? It all depends on where the police are to where you are. Traffic conditions, weather conditions, etc. Especially in cities that are under-policed, right? That response time could be a long time. And by that time, guess what's already occurred? Violence against innocent victims. Think about it. If a criminal breaks into your home to do you or your loved one's harm, an immediate response is needed. In that moment, you have no time to wait for the police to protect you. You need to be able to defend yourself and your loved ones right then, right there. If you don't, your life or their life could be over within seconds or a few minutes. We live in the United States of America. Have you forgotten that? We have a constitution. And the second amendment of that constitution gives you the right to have a firearm and protect yourself and your loved ones from an evil criminal seeking to do you harm. And listen, please hear me. I think background checks for gun purchases, I think they can be a good idea. I also think reasonable training being required for those who carry guns can be a good idea. But an American citizen should never ever be required to have some sort of license to defend him or herself from a violent criminal. As an American citizen, you have a right to self-defense. For instance, my wife has never purchased a gun, nor has she gone through formal professional firearms training like I have. She's been to the range and shot with me a few times, but not that much. But say I'm on a ministry trip. I'm out of town and a violent criminal with a gun breaks into our home to rape my wife or my daughters. And my wife grabs my handgun and she shoots that criminal and she kills him. Should she become a felon because she did that without a proper firearm license? Of course not. That's ridiculous. She has a constitutional right to defend herself with a firearm from a deadly attacker. Do I think it's in the best interest of law-abiding citizens who have firearms to get proper training from a a professional instructor? Absolutely. Learn all you can in the classroom, through videos, on the range. Be a responsible and prepared gun owner. And keep your guns and ammo completely out of reach from children. And then there's those on the left who say that the Second Amendment only applies to owning an old-fashioned black powder musket like the founding fathers of this nation had back when the Second Amendment was written. And this is just dumb. I mean, this is utterly asinine. At that time, when the Second Amendment was written into law, citizens had the most modern firearm of that time period to defend themselves against evildoers. They had the same modern firearm of that time period that U.S. soldiers had during that time period in order to be able to defend themselves against the threat of our democratic government turning tyrannical. 
And yes, that has happened with democratic governments. Think about it, man. And the violent riots that we saw in 2020. You think criminals were coming to innocent people with old-fashioned muskets? When there's a dangerous home invader, do you think they are going to come at you with an old-fashioned musket? When there's a carjacking, do you think they're going to come at you with an old-fashioned musket? When there's an active shooter at a church or a school, you think they have an old-fashioned musket? You ever, you ever once heard that? The answer is, of course, no. It's 2023. We know what they have. We know what the evil people have. So neither should law-abiding U.S. citizens ever be forced to have to have only an old-fashioned musket to defend ourselves and our loved ones or innocent bystanders from an evil active shooter. As I said, that talking point, it's just asinine. I personally own several firearms, rifles, shotgun, handguns. I've been background checked multiple times. I've also been through two separate concealed carry courses in two different states where I had to complete hours upon hours of classroom time, then complete a written test, pass it, and then go complete a test on an actual gun range with a revolver and an automatic handgun with an instructor right there with me. I passed all of them every time. I'm also a member of the United States Concealed Carry Association, where I continue to get training as a responsible gun owner. Also helps me know the gun laws in each state where I travel. I continue to watch video training. Um, I continue to go to the gun range and practice sometimes with an instructor. I tell you all of that because I take owning and carrying a firearm very seriously. And hear me. I hope to God I never have to use it on a violent criminal. I have no desire to ever do that but I prepare and train in case I do. So back to the main question, are guns really the problem? I do not believe they are. I believe the evil person behind the gun is the real problem. The same with the evil person that's behind a knife or a machete or a homemade bomb that's in a crock pot, like the ones that were used in the Boston Marathon bombing. It's the evil person behind all of it. They are responsible. We don't blame knives or crock pots when there's a violent crime with one of those things. We don't push for stricter laws or bans on knives and crock pots because that's ridiculous. And then there's those who say that, well, we should at least ban quote unquote assault weapons. First of all, I hate that name. I hate that name. Because all firearms can assault and kill all of them. If you knew anything about guns, if you had any training from a professional instructor, you would know that all firearms assault and kill. And you'll learn to respect all firearms. When you use the term, quote unquote, assault weapon, What they're actually referring to is an automatic rifle that has a magazine that can hold approximate 30 rounds. But here's an interesting fact for you. The majority 
of violent crimes committed in the U.S. are actually committed with handguns, not automatic rifles. Also, there's no evidence that banning what they call, quote-unquote, assault weapon, which again are merely automatic rifles with larger magazines, there's no evidence that banning those would stop violent crimes in America. There is no evidence showing that. I don't see any. Many law-abiding citizens, including myself, enjoy legally using their automatic rifle with larger magazines on gun ranges to target shoot and competitively shoot. They also have them for personal protection in the event of mass chaos, mobs, riots, extreme violence that would come for them and their family. You may say, oh my goodness, what are you talking about? That's never, were were you not on the planet the last couple of years? What many in this country, many, not all, truly want is they want complete gun confiscation. They won't stop with automatic rifles, with large magazines. They won't stop there. They want the Second Amendment to to be completely done away with. But not only is that unconstitutional, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for law-abiding American citizens. Our founding fathers knew this all too well. George Washington said, a free people ought not only be armed, but disciplined. George Mason said, to disarm the people is the most effectual way to enslave them. Thomas Jefferson wrote, laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than prevent homicides. For an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed one. End quote. L. Neil Smith has an insightful definition of gun control. He says it's the theory that a woman found dead in an alley, raped and strangled with her pantyhose, is somehow morally superior to a woman explaining to police how her attacker got that fatal bullet wound. (laughs) That's good. The Russian-born writer and philosopher, uh, An Rond, I think I said it right, said this, potentially a government is the most dangerous threat to man's rights if it holds a legal monopoly on the use of physical force against disarmed victims. It's so true. You know, the very first move of tyrannical governments is to disarm a population so that there can be no resistance to whatever they want to do. This happened in Nazi Germany. It also happened in the former Soviet Union. Tyrannical governments want to remove all possible threats of resistance. And this is why they push for quote-unquote gun control or quote-unquote gun buybacks, or quote-unquote gun confiscation. And again, it'll be sold to the people as, this is for your safety. 
our founding fathers knew this was a very real possibility. And that's one of the reasons we have the Second Amendment. It is for this. But then you'll hear people like Joe Biden laugh and criticize the Second Amendment as being something that could um, ever stop a tyrannical government. He laughs at it. You people who believe in the Second Amendment because of being able to defend against a tyrannical government, he laughs and criticizes that. He'll say things like, do you really think you can fight back against an F-15 fighter jet? And when I heard him say that, he said it more than once. I'm like, is he implying that he would use an F-15 fighter jet against U.S. citizens if they didn't comply to everything he wanted? I mean, really? He's such an awesome president. Look, here's the deal. Countries who have fought back against tyranny, even with small arms, have had success. Look at Vietnam. Look at the Afghan fighters against the former Soviet Union. Ben Shapiro over at the Daily Wire points out that guerrilla warfare has been a successful tactic all the way back to the days of George Washington. I live here in South Carolina. Um, Where I live, close by, is the Francis Marion National Forest that is named after the Swamp Fox, Francis Marion. And he was a very successful um, fighter. Uh, He used um, guerrilla warfare tactics against the tyrannical British invaders. The point is, like, small arms do make a difference. Even if those freedom fighters don't have a F-15 fighter jet. Yes, there are countries who began as a democracy and then steadily drifted into dictatorship. And for Americans to say that that could never happen here, that's foolish. It denies history. It also denies the dangerous reality of depraved, power-hungry human leaders. Sometimes I look at people and I'm like, what world do you live in? Another point I want to mention is that there are like states or communities in the United States who can choose to ban guns and have the strictest of gun laws, and they can do that. They can elect local government and do that. And their thinking is that when you ban guns in a particular community, it will make that community safer. That's the thinking, or at least that's how they sell it. But guess what? Do you know where criminals are likely to go to commit crime? It's a no-brainer, man. They go to the community that can't defend itself. The city of Chicago is an example of this. They have some of the strictest gun laws in the country. But even with all of those strict gun laws in place, in 2021, Chicago had 797 murders, 25 more than 2020, and 299 more than 2019. There were also 3,561 shooting incidents in 2021 in Chicago, which is 300 more than 2020 and 14 and 1,415 more than 2019. This is all according to an article I came across in NBCChicago.com in January 2022. 
It also said that the Chicago police force took more legal guns off the streets than any other local police force in the U.S. 12,088 illegal guns in 2021. But still, the murder problem remains. It also doesn't help that Chicago was one of the major cities screaming to defund the police. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, former Mayor Lori Lightfoot, supported measures to defund her city's police in 2020. She actually proposed an $80 million tax reduction in tax dollars toward her city's police department. But then crime ramped up in 2021 and she changed her tune and she pled to the federal government for help to obtain additional law enforcement. This same kind of thing is true in cities like Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. You know, California has had background checks in place for firearms for decades, but a 2018 study revealed that those background checks had no effect on homicide rates in California. Studies show that homicide rates tend to rise when law-abiding citizens are unable to own and carry firearms for self-defense. A major study of 2,000 convicted felons in state and federal prisons across the U.S. revealed that criminals actually feared armed citizens more than they fear the police. Did you hear that? Let me, let me give that to you again. A major study of 2,000 convicted felons in state and federal prisons across the U.S. revealed that criminals actually feared armed citizens more than they feared the police. This is why. Homicide rates tend to rise when law-abiding citizens are unable to own and carry firearms for self-defense. Many think that if you ban all guns in a community, this will make schools safer. But what they don't realize is that most school shooting cases are from people who have obtained their guns illegally, or they went somewhere and obtained the gun legally and then illegally came into a no-gun zone like a school, to do mass violence. Again, I said it at the beginning. Criminals do not follow your gun laws. You want to know how we can improve security at schools? Having armed guards at every single school. Every single school. Elementary, middle, High school, colleges, private, public, everything. Have better cameras, doors, lockdown entry measures, have all of that. But above all, have armed guards at every single school. The schools who actually have this in place, guess what? They don't have school shootings. Period. There is none that I know of. If you know of one, let me know. Because a good guy with a gun detours the bad guy with a gun. Or the bad woman who thinks she's a guy with a gun. You understand what I'm saying? You say, where are we going to get the funds for this, Jason? What, what do you mean, where are we going to get the funds for this? What do we send like 80 billion dollars to help Ukraine 
protect itself against Russia? Dude, even if we cut that in half and took $40 billion to make sure our children and teenagers are safe with armed guards at every single school, dude, that's a, that's a great investment. I'd love to see my tax dollars going to things like that. Look, I wish we lived in a perfect world where there was no crime, no violence, no need for guns or locks on doors, but that's not reality. That's not the world we live in. That will never be the world we live in. That will only be reality in the new heaven and new earth. You can see Revelation chapter 21. That's not reality here and now. When people say, we just need to get rid of all the guns in this country, and that'll make all the violence go away. That's like saying, let's get rid of all of our nuclear weapons. It sounds good, right? That would be an awesome world with no nuclear weapons. But now let's come back to reality. We, the United States, we can't get rid of our nuclear weapons. You know why? Because all the other nations that threaten us won't get rid of theirs. As long as there is a nuclear threat from another nation or terrorist organization, we must let them know that we are armed and ready with a superior nuclear arsenal. Why do we do that? Because it's a powerful deterrent from us being attacked with a nuclear bomb from an evil ruler. This same rationale, uh, rationale applies with personal protection of myself and my loved ones. I'm staying armed and ready because we live in a world full of very evil people who are armed and ready to do violent evil upon innocent lives. Listen, guns in the hand of an evil person are a weapon to destroy, no doubt. But guns in the hands of a good and responsible person are a weapon to protect, defend, and save lives. You may say, well, man, that's easy for you to say, Jason. You've never been personally affected by gun violence. Oh, you don't know me very well. Yes, I have. I've had close friends murdered by gun violence. I've had friends commit suicide by gun. When I was just six years old, I watched my evil stepmother take a handgun and go at my father. She was going to kill him. I watched it. I watched the whole thing. She pointed the gun at him. She fired a shot in the ground right in front of him to really get his attention. It all happened right in our backyard. I watched and heard the whole thing. I can see it in my mind right now. I'm the one who ran inside and told my older sister, call the police. And she called the police. And a SWAT team came, took my stepmother away. My father let her right back out. He never pressed charges. Later that night, she came at him again, but this time with a butcher knife. True story, people. I know a little bit about gun violence and knife violence, but I don't blame the gun or the knife. I blame the evil stepmother who held both of them and tried to use them for evil. And these people that say, 
quote unquote, assault rifles are the problem. Again, I don't call them that because all guns can assault and kill. They're talking about automatic rifles with large capacity magazines. Listen, I want to say this about your quote unquote assault rifles. You think those rifles are the problem? Really? Let me share an interesting statistic with you. One in 20, one in 20 law abiding U.S. citizens own what you call an assault rifle. That's right. One in 20 law abiding U.S. citizens own what you call an assault rifle, an automatic rifle with a large capacity magazine. One in 20 of us own one. There are approximately 332 million Americans. You know what that means? I did the math. That means there are 66,400,000 assault rifles owned by law-abiding American citizens. I'm one of them. So if those quote-unquote assault rifles or automatic long rifles with large capacity magazines, if they were a problem in the hand of all 66,400,000 of us, listen, you know it. Trust me, you know it. Everyone would know it. I'm just saying. The vast majority of Americans with automatic rifles, with 30-round magazines. You don't hear a peep from us. We don't bother nobody. And then I think about all the suicides by guns. We keep blaming guns for people committing suicide. Seriously? It's the gun's fault? What's the real underlying cause for the suicide epidemic in this country? What needs to be addressed with what's going on in the hearts and minds of Americans? Obviously, there's a heart and mind problem. Obviously, people need help. Something is wrong with people's hearts and minds. But left-wing politicians, lobbyists, and mainstream media don't want to address that. It's easy to blame guns and the gun manufacturers and the law-abiding gun owners of this country who never once used our guns to commit any act of violence against another human being. Stop looking at the fruit. Look at the root. What's going on with these suicides? Look at the root. You want to know something else that bothers me? is that all of the instances when guns have been used by good law-abiding citizens to prevent or stop a violent crime, it hardly ever gets reported by mainstream media. You always have to go to other sources apart from the mainstream media to find out about those stories. I came across like a few of those stories from just last year, 2022. Many of them you've probably never heard of. I got them from dailysignal.com, dailysignal.com. Here's an example of a few. November 1st, 2022, Wyoming. Three masked individuals entered a store to conduct a takeover robbery against a lone clerk. 
attempting to physically overwhelm him by sheer force of numbers. Police said the clerk turned the tables, drawing his legally owned handgun and shooting one of the would-be robbers in the chest. The three ran away, but the wounded robber, only 15, was taken into custody after a passerby found him and called 911, police said. November 2nd, St. Louis. An armed repairman came to a woman's rescue after a neighbor opened fire on her. Police said the repairman sprinted down the street to confront the gunman, then dragged the injured woman behind a car for safety and rendered first aid. His actions caused the gunman to retreat inside his home where he was arrested after a standoff with law enforcement. November 6, Warner Robins, Georgia. I got some friends down there. A man waiting for an oil change intervened to stop a kidnapping, following a child's distressed cries into some woods. He discovered someone on top of a child choking him. The good Samaritan drew his firearm, grabbed the child away, and detained the kidnapper at gunpoint until the police arrived. The assailant was charged with aggravated assault and cruelty to a child. Oakton, Virginia, November 9th, police said a homeowner acted in self-defense when he fatally shot a man who started a fight with him in his own yard, hit him over the head with a large rock, and followed him inside while carrying the rock. The homeowner's wife and two young children were, were at the house at the time, but they apparently weren't injured. Uh, November 12th, Seattle. Police said an armed rideshare driver assisted a young woman in her harrowing escape from a violent sex trafficker, offering the woman shelter in his car and then engaging in a rolling shootout with her pursuer while calling 911. The man's actions not only saved the woman's life, but ultimately helped to take down a multi-state trafficking enterprise, investigators said. You ever see any of these on the news? November 14th, Franklin, Ohio. Just hours after returning home from a hospital stay, a partially blind man shot and wounded an intruder who admitted to targeting the home because he believed the resident was still hospitalized, police said. Officers found the intruder hiding in a nearby shed with a wound to his rear end. The man, who has a lengthy criminal record, was the subject of an active warrant for an unrelated incident of domestic violence. I could go on and on. Literally, I have several more on my notes in front of me. Did you hear about any of these stories that involved a gun used for good on the news? No, of course not. You know why? Because the gun was used for good. And that doesn't fit the narrative the political left and mainstream media are trying to sell the world. The only good gun story in 2022 that received a speck of attention from mainstream media was the Greenwood Park Mall shooting in Indiana. People were in a food court in the mall, just eating and hanging out. Suddenly, a gunman came in and opened fire. Three people were shot and killed, and many, many more would have been killed. But just 15 seconds after the shooting began, 22-year-old Eli Dickin intervened. He was concealed carrying his handgun under the Constitution carry law in his state. When the gunman began shooting, Eli told his girlfriend to get down. He then pulled his handgun and from 40 yards away, he fired 10 rounds at the gunman. He hit him 8 out of 10 times. He did it at 40 yards. 
that that's under pressure with a moving target. That, listen to me, you may not know this because you don't use a gun, you don't shoot. That's some incredible handgun shooting from a law-abiding citizen with a legal gun. Greenwood Police Chief James Eisen said during a news conference after the shooting that Eli's fast thinking and good marksmanship put a quick end to the shooter's threat. There is no doubt in my mind that Eli Dickens saved many, many lives that night, and he is a true hero. End quote from the Greenwood Police Chief. At the end of 2022, the city of Greenwood, along with the police chief and other leaders, they named Eli Dickin Citizen of the Year for what he did in that food court. Citizen of the Year. Did you know that? Did you ever hear or see that on the news? Of course not. They won't run that story because it doesn't fit the narrative that they are trying to sell the world about guns. That guns are the problem. You see, two people with a gun entered a mall food court in Greenwood, Indiana on that day. One evil person with a gun came to harm and kill innocent lives. Another good person with a gun came ready to protect and save innocent lives. Eli Dickin was not some armed vigilante looking to kill evildoers. That's not who he was. That's not who I am. That's not who the vast majority of law-abiding American gun owners are. We want to be left alone. We want to mind our business and live a peaceful life. We don't ever want to have to use our guns in a violent way. That's just not who we are. So are guns really the problem in America? No, they're not. We have a much, much, much deeper problem in America that needs to be addressed. Where is God in America? Where is the gospel in America? Where has morality, ethics gone in America? Where are the dads in America who are supposed to be loving and leading homes and families? Those are the real problems in America that need a whole lot of attention. Couple closing items of Grizz Biz. Hey, if this show is a blessing to you, be a blessing back to our nonprofit ministry by becoming a monthly supporter for as little as ten or twenty dollars per month, or you can make a one-time donation. Don't just be a consumer; be a contributor. Partner with us in what we're doing to to ignite and equip men to honor God, live manly. The Grizz Podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we will always send you a record of your donation for tax purposes. You can make your donation at narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com. There's a link in the show notes, or you could take your phone right now and text the word give 
Just text the word GIVE to 301-888-6860. 301-888-6860. We would not exist without listeners just like you. If you'd like to connect with me, my email is info at narrowtrail.com. Info at narrowtrail.com. There's also some social media links in the show notes and also at our website, narrowtrail.com. We also have another website called thegrizpodcast.com. Thegrizpodcast.com. And I got to mention, are you tired of falling to porn? Do you need some godly guidance, encouragement, connection, and accountability to overcome it? then check out our climb teams. They meet online via Zoom once a week. The membership is just $40 per month, and it's well worth it with all that you get. Go to narrowtrail.com, click on the climb teams page to learn more about it. Also, sign up for the Growl. The Growl is a free weekly email that I send out to like-minded Christian men who are serious about honoring God and living manly. Every week, there's some helpful content, links, resources, recommendations, you can sign up. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to our website, narrowtrail.com. You'll see a link there. Also, join our closed Facebook group for Christian men. It's called the Grizz Tribe. Great place to connect with like-minded brothers, share prayer requests, get encouragement, get some humor. And wherever you listen, right now, wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Apple, whatever, leave us a rating and review. Really appreciate it. That's it for now. I'll be back at you soon with another episode of the Grizz Podcast. Until then, honor God, live manly, seek the truth, live the truth, speak the truth. I'm out. You're wild, man. Why?